Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of the Buffalo Beat is Visa, a network working for everyone. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. This is the post-game version of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscaglia, and with me, just like he is for every post-game show this season, uh, he is the sports director over at WKBW Channel 7 in Buffalo, Matt Beauvais, and we are discussing today the Bills' 35 to nothing win over the Miami Dolphins. Uh, not exactly a result that I expected to be that lopsided, but I also did not expect Tua Tungavailoa to go out of the game early in the first quarter. So the Bills, by all means, they as soon as that happened, they put it on the Dolphins. They knew they should come away with a, a game like that, going up against a backup quarterback like that. And and they dominated the matchup. And so they handled their business. But there are specific things that we'll get into uh, from the game. Some things that were impressive. Some things were that were less so impressive. And, and certain trends to track as, as we kind of go forward here. But before we even jump in anything, Matt Beauvais. Hello. Uh, <laughs> what did you make of just general, generally speaking, what did you make of what the Bills were able to do today? And um, I don't even know, it, like, is this an impressive thing or is it just more of a, oh, they should, probably should have done this? Yeah, it's funny you said that because I actually was texting a few of my friends after the game and I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be impressed by the Bills or just wondering what the heck the Dolphins were doing. But I think the most impressive thing to me today was just how dominant the Bills pass rush was. And we talked about this a lot in the offseason, how it was an area that they needed to address. And that was obvious today. They get six sacks. Everybody's going to talk about Greg Rousseau. He gets two. Taron Johnson had one. Micah Hyde had one. Justin Zimmer had one. And who was the other one who had one? And Milano had one. They were awesome today. And I think it was pretty evident right off the bat. So we only got to see Tua for, you know, two drives. But on the first play, he's sacked by Taron Johnson. On the third play, he's sacked by Micah Hyde. 
They had two sacks last week against the Steelers, and I know it's a different scheme. I know it's a different defense, or excuse me, they're going against a different opponent. But two sacks in the first three plays was a statement. And, you know, they finished with six sacks. They could have had a lot more because of that KG Jacoby Brissett sneaking his way out of a couple things. But, you know, the defense is legitimately awesome right now. They're playing really good. Yeah, I think um, right from the get-go, the Bills the Bills knew they had a a matchup worthy to exploit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Miami Dolphins offensive line, it, from left to right, not really that much home to write home about. I mean, their left tackle, Austin Jackson, was just eh, probably below average as a rookie, and he was a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, their, their guard play has just been meh. Uh, their right tackle is not good. Their starting center was a guy who just won it in the summer and not really anything to write home about there. So they have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. So the Bills knew that they had a pretty good chance to overwhelm the Miami offensive line. And unlike what it was last week when Ben Roethlisberger was getting rid of the ball in under 2.2 seconds, uh, Tua was actually holding onto the ball for around two and a half seconds in the um, in the first the four throws that he had well no in the the first week against the Patriots he was averaging two and a half seconds and so the Bills probably knew that they would have some chances and if they could send some blitzes his way to really knock him off his spot and and frustrate him a little bit that's exactly what they were going to do now they capitalized on those chances when Tua was actually in the game Mm -hmm. um and I, I think you know we can talk about the defensive line and they and we certainly will talk about all of these players but the the thing that i kept being impressed by above all else was Leslie Frazier the defensive coordinator and he this was a masterpiece of a game plan for him um just from the outset i mean he was always a step ahead of what the dolphins were anticipating and whether it was blitzing or you know just bringing pressure from the linebackers and dropping back the defensive ends bringing safeties on a blitz bringing the nickel corner on a blitz I mean you look at all of the the different pressures that they had I think I think the uh the pressure allowed percentage by Miami was the the most of any team in the league this year um this was uh via pro football focus uh, numbers and true media where where uh where I get it from and the Dolphins allowed pressure on forty five point three percent of their of their passing <laughs> oh, snaps, which is no wonder they didn't get a point. Which is barely, which is barely the <laughs> the worst. I mean, the Saints were equally as almost as equally as bad against the Panthers today. But yes, the the Bills absolutely put it put it on them. And then Matt Milano is I mean, unbelievable. Well, here's the thing: like he was kind of under the radar in the mm-hmm. game. And then all of a sudden, when you when you look at at the end of the game, you're like, "Wow!" Seven pressures, yeah, it, and a pressure percentage, a pressure success percentage of seventy seven point eight percent on this guy. So, when you add up all of these different things, I mean, yes, you need the play of the individual player, but the scheme of what Leslie Frazier did and how he was just dialed in, you could just tell he was feeling it. And if anyone needs to see evidence as to why this guy should be a head coaching candidate. I mean, of course, they went up against a backup quarterback for a lot, the lion's share, but I don't know if it would have mattered. And it was funny because after the game, Sean specifically when asked about the pass rush today said that Leslie called a great game and he liked how aggressive that they were. 
Micah Hyde, when talking about the pass rush today and the success that they had, was talking about how great everything kind of schemed together and said that, you know, they were giving fist bumps to Leslie Frazier off to the side of the field and they were just kind of loving everything that they were calling. And yeah, I mean, you talked about Matt Milano as somebody who was a little bit under the radar today. How many pressures did AJ Epinesa have today? Do you have that? I mean, he doesn't get the sacks. So, you know, his numbers don't jump off the normal box score that you would be looking at. But A.J. Epinesa was dominant today. He led the team with eight. So there you go. He was unbelievable today. Obviously, he had the hit on Tua that took him out of the game. And, you know, he just ran around the edge and crushed him. And, yeah, I mean, just start to finish. And also, Taron Johnson had a great game, too. Like, just really from top to bottom on defense, they were really, really strong. You know, Levi Wallace leaves. Dane Jackson makes a couple nice plays. Yeah, they were good. They were really good. Yeah, I think um, the the pass rush is probably the most the most enthralling part. If if you're uh, someone who follows and uh, and likes the team, because that was the thing that they were hoping would take the defense to the next level. Because they thought they had the pieces in the secondary. They thought that they had the pieces in uh, in their linebacking core. But the one thing that has always kind of been missing, or at least last year, was just the ability to impact the passer. Now it's not all right. Now if we've kind of seen two completely separate sides of the spectrum here because first we saw um, this defensive line go up against an offense that gets the ball out quickly. Mm-hmm. Then we saw this defensive line go up against a quarterback, a backup quarterback, and Jacoby Brissett who probably holds on to the ball longer than any quarterback I've seen <laughs> in the last couple of years. I mean, he was he was taking his time oh, trying yeah. to let thing let things get open. So You got to stop calling him a backup quarterback. Did you see what he said after I, the game? Oh, I do. He's yeah. a starter. Yeah. So well, stop calling him a backup quarterback, well, Joe. Well, I think I think good old Jacoby um, needs to realize that his yards per attempt was like 3.4 he also needs like to that. realize that the Bills haven't shut anybody out since 2016, and the last time they did was against you guessed it, Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> yeah, the New England Patriots. What a what a what a time that was. But yes, I, I think it's it's room to be cautiously optimistic for for Bills fans. And what what I ended up landing on more than anything um, was if they can maybe not even continue it on on this level as to what they're doing it. But if this defense is playing at their 2019 level, yeah. and Josh Allen turns his stuff around, and we'll, we'll get to Josh, yeah. and if Josh Allen turns his stuff around a little bit, then this is this is a legitimate contender in, in the NFL. Everybody's that, ears just perked up. That's, that's what I ended up landing on above all else now they do have some hurdles they have to get over um but the the pieces are there and one of the big pieces today that really showed as to why they have this potential and you mentioned Epinesa I mean Greg Rousseau I think was this was the time that he really capitalized on the hype Mm-hmm. and made it a little bit more into a, a tangible thing. Because preseason sacks are preseason sacks. But I think even outside of the, the two those two plays that we're talking about, I mean, he had five pressures, uh, and it, he just... Made some it, nice tackles. He was constantly pushing his man into the backfield, pinning the quarterback into the pocket, getting him to evade, 
Um, and then uh, as a run defender, he he's so good at using his length to his advantage, extending his arms fully. And then as soon as the, the rusher tries to sneak past him, he disengages and has r- really good... Um, uh, really good acceleration out of a, a stop stance to where he can go and, and lunge and, and get the tackler or get the the ball carrier. So that's the type of thing where it, he's got some he's got some star potential to him if if he if he lands the right way. But when you combine that with some of the other guys who are coming up, um, like Ed Oliver's continuing to play well, Epinesa. Jerry Hughes is still playing really well. Mario Addison is playing really well. So if you have all all of these things clicking mm-hmm. uh, defensively and your offense is just a little bit off right now, but you know they're capable of so much more, that's like I don't know, that's that's a that's a pretty pretty big thing uh moving forward. And I don't want to get too overboard because it's week 2 and they just played a backup quarterback on a team that was clearly like dejected once Tua went down, but but yeah, the, it it just makes you think a little bit about what type of potential this team has. I thought you were going to hit us with a pretty 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 good or something like that. <laughs> um but no, it's 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 so true because it makes everybody else better when you can rotate the way that the Bills have the capabilities of doing right now because Greg Rousseau looks like the real deal. A.J. Epinesa has flashed and looks like he is going to be a contributor for a long time on this team. And then, like you said, you've still got Mario Addison. You've still got Jerry Hughes, who can both still play. You have F.A. Obato when he's 100% healthy, who can rotate in. Like, you have a lot of different options. And for the Bills, who are so focused on having a strong and healthy rotation, this gives them options, and it gives the players a little bit more juice when they're actually on the field because they don't have to play, you know, a ridiculous amount of snaps. And when those guys on the edge are, you know, requiring so much attention, that frees up. Ed Oliver in the middle a little bit. It gives lanes to Matt Milano to be able to explode up the middle like we saw today. So I think you're right. I think Epinesa really flashed today for me. Rousseau was awesome today. And I mean, if you can hit on those guys with the roster that you currently have, with a secondary that features Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, and Micah Hyde, with Matt Milano, who is maybe the second best player on that defense, with Tremaine Edmonds, who didn't even play the full game today, but we all know has the potential. And then Taron Johnson, who Jordan Poyer called today the best nickel cornerback in the league. And that's probably a stretch. He's not biased or anything. No, he's not biased. And that's a stretch. But Taron Johnson was damn good today. So it's nice to see them build off of what they you know, had been last year. And to go back to your point, we've always said, It's probably too much to say if you had the 2019 defense and the 2020 offense, like the Bills would probably win the Super Bowl with that team. So let's not get carried away. But if you have a defense that's close to the 2019 defense and an offense that's maybe just a little worse than the 2020 offense, you're still talking about a team that can really make some noise. It's balanced from top to bottom. Yeah, we. so I'm going to dial it back a little bit because – I think I think it's good to have to play a little bit of devil's advocate mm-hmm. when you're two weeks into a season yeah. and you just yeah we were talking about a loss at this you time just, last week you just bombarded the Miami Dolphins with Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback thirty five to nothing yeah but, but how it, different do you think this game is if Tua doesn't get hurt I think Tua is like a legitimately better quarterback than, oh, than I, Jacoby Brissett I, I don't disagree but what are we talking about I, I mean it's all hypothetical it's, so we can't really even yeah. say, but 
you know, they destroyed Tua when he was in there. Small sample size. Very small sample size. But here's here's where I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit. The Bills have gone up against, and this is a, a point about the defensive line. The Bills have gone up against two of the worst offensive lines in the NFL uh-huh. in the first two weeks, and the Steelers and the Miami Dolphins. It's, I mean, the Dolphins are somehow worse than the Steelers, and the Steelers are not not good whatsoever. I mean, they've got one really strong piece in in Kevin Dotson, but uh, other than that, like left to right, they were not good when when the Bills faced off against them. Mm-hmm. So, part of me wonders what this defensive line can do against like a competent offensive line. Yeah, just like, an, like a- an even average offensive line. Just an average team just trying to figure out a, what this what their true potential is because they're not going to be going up against the Dolphins offensive line with with the uh with the playoffs on the line. That's it's probably not going. And you never know if the Dolphins could get hot, but I I'm probably thinking that's not going to happen. Yeah. But I I just wonder how much of it is who they've played as opposed to, as opposed to how good they actually are. Now those answers will come over time. I think and the truth probably ultimately lies in the middle. Yeah. As it usually does. Like yeah. they're not going to be this good every week. They're not going to get six sacks and all these pressures that they have every week, basically pressuring the quarterback 50% of the time. But at the same time, you know, they're still better than they were last year. They're still a deeper room, obviously than they were last year. Yeah, that is absolutely correct. I think that is a fair point. They have a lot more potential than what they did as a pass rushing room. I mean, I probably made everybody mad with how much I talked about why they should cut Trent Murphy for a solid like year. Yeah, they should have. <laughs> they should have. But, but hey, um, be it as it may. But this year they have legitimate pieces to work around and trying to see if they can kind of get things together that way. But – the huge question is, what will this team do against? I mean, these next two opponents really aren't aren't that much better. Washington has a better offensive line. Houston. Houston is, gave Cleveland a game there, Joe. Yeah, today, but their offensive line still isn't that great. I mean, their their yards per rush is not ideal. Tyrod, until he got hurt, was ten of eleven for a hundred twenty five and a touchdown. Great. That is the most Tyrod stat line that's ever existed. But I would like to see how about the Browns for instance? I would like to see this Bills defensive line go up against the Browns offensive line because the Browns are one of the best in the league in that respect. Yeah, that's a and, Wyatt Teller revenge and, game. Well, well yeah, and that's a that's a true gauge as to what this Bills defensive line and their pass rushing can be. So, uh, yeah, I, it's it's not a it's not a huge like a rain on the parade point here. But it's at least worth considering when when you're talking about what the scope of this team could be. And I know I went the one way and said, hey, if this defense fires on all cylinders and the offense figures their stuff out a little bit, then this could be a really good team. But we still need to see them do it against a lot better competition um, just in terms of offensive line. Yeah, they're not going to get six sacks every week. and They're not going to pressure the quarterback 50% of the time every week. Like, hopefully people's expectations aren't that because that's just not going to be how it is. But if you get three sacks a week, maybe you get four sacks a week, maybe you're pressuring at 35 or 40%, that's still going to lead to a lot more success on the defensive side of the ball. And the one thing that we will talk about later is it's not like the offense has blown us away in either of these first two games. And if the offense is playing better, then, you know, that ultimately helps them in a lot of different areas too. Like, 
this game, it's funny how, you know, the Bills scored 35 points. They went 35 nothing, but we're still talking about, yeah, there's room for improvement, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, the I, I think that that's a very um, in-depth discussion that, that we need to have because, yes, they put together 35 points. There were a lot of shortened fields. Um, there were uh, a, a lot of their success stemmed upon – those the huge gains um the chunk plays the rushing game certainly helped things in that regard um and and they were able to get get things going now the one thing i will say since we're just going to switch over to the offensive side of things i the one thing that they did that i thought was the right approach and what i kind of anticipated they were going to do is they they uh did not go heavy into the four and five wide receiver formations like we talked about last week, right? Um, This week, I believe they only had a combined eight snaps in four and five wide receiver, and last week they had 33. Now, how much of that, though, is maybe Gabriel Davis not being 100%, if any? No, I mean, Gabriel Gabriel Davis played today, and he played basically the same amount as I think he would have if they were doing more 11 personnel the last week. Um, I, I didn't really see him be all that all that limited. He ended up with 22 snaps. I think it was like 33% of the 33% of the snaps. But a lot of that was... <laughs> Is that more than he had last week? No. Club. Okay. No, he was around like 50, okay. I think, last week. Uh, 50%. But they did a whole lot more 11 personnel this time around, which I think was the right approach because not only is that the... You, you can run a lot more efficiently out of that because you have a tight end there. You can pass block a, b- a lot more efficiently because you have a tight end and a running back. You can keep them in if you need to. But you also maintain the threat to run, which is almost more important than anything with play action. Well, I looked at you right after the Devin Singletary touchdown, you know, two plays into the game, and I basically said, you know, they can't sleep on the run now. It's like uh-huh. the play action that we talked about so much on last week's podcast, you know. When you have a running back who's busting off a 46-yard touchdown on the second offensive play of the game, like you're going to get their attention at this point, and I think that's ultimately why they kind of went in with that mindset. Yeah, I it's it's interesting. Like the the old adage about play action is that you need to run the ball well to to do play action well. No, but you don't. No, you, you don't. don't. You just need to run play action, and and that if you get the defender to hesitate just that much, then you're doing your job. Now, of course, they're going to heavily commit to it more if you're just gouging them um, uh, with with your running game. But as long as you maintain that threat to run and and they come off their spot just a little bit, then you're in really good shape. And so I'm I I haven't seen the play early down play action numbers just yet. I would anticipate. A lot higher than what it was last week, but the eleven personnel was was the big part of this, uh, a big piece of the puzzle to me at least. And the Bills, I believe, let's see where where am I? Uh, they ran it 40, 11 personnel, forty one out of sixty six snaps today. So it was and way more forty one out of uh, no. Uh, before it went to garbage time, where they started bringing in a bunch of like two tight end stuff. Uh, they ran it 38 out of 57 plays, which was around 67 percent of yeah. their snaps was out of 11 personnel. It's the right approach. I mean, that's where they were their most successful uh, last week. 
They averaged, I think, 7.3 yards per play out of 11 personnel last week. Do you think that says more about the Bills' approach to this game or how they want it? I guess it, it, they go hand in hand. Is this more about the Bills realizing a flaw in their game and addressing it or realizing who they were going against with a couple people in the secondary who are very good? And I guess that was how they wanted to attack this particular defense. Like, do you think this is a trend moving forward, that this is going to be what we see more of? Or do you think that this was maybe – you know, so elevated because it was against the Dolphins? Um, maybe a bit of both. Um, I don't know. I think, I think by and large, they, they still like to go to those, to those uh, heavy receiver formations just as like an offshoot and, and just a curveball to throw every once in a while, even though you're hitting them with a fastball again and again in 11 personnel. I honestly think that this was them getting back to their identity because Dawson Knox on Friday vaguely talked about getting back to their identity. And then when asked about specifics, like didn't was evasive if, and I think that that's probably putting it nicely because it's like, well, you know, I just gotta, I just gotta focus on me. It's like, well, that's, that's not what you said before. Um, But still, yeah, but still, it's figuring out what that identity is. And for them, I think it was really important to to get back to those types of play calls because it gives them a lot more versatility with, with what they want to call. When they're getting into four and five wide receiver stuff, teams can just sit back and zone uh, and chill and pass off uh, receivers left and right and basically mimic what the Steelers did with their game plan. So the Bills had to kind of take a counterpunch to that. And this was this was the right way to go about it. So I get where you're coming from. I think it could be dolphins induced a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you know this should be the norm. Yeah. I, I would I would argue that if if they had uh, an opponent to do the the four and five receiver stuff against, it might be the Dolphins as well, because they run a majority of man coverage yeah. most weeks. And if you have a lot of receivers that you believe can win in their man coverage matchups, then then run them, run those crossers, run and try and try and get those advantages. But I, I think I think this this was the right approach this time around. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I tend to agree. I think that the offense as a whole was better today, obviously, than they were last week, but I still think there are a lot, is a lot of room for improvement. I did like the game plan more just because they had some success. They had some sustained success. They had some strong drives. I do think that Allen needs to be better. You know, once again, I, I don't think that he had 
you know, the worst game we've ever seen from him. But, you know, the way he is capable of playing and the way he's paid to play now, he does need to be better. It ultimately didn't hurt them at all because the defense was so dominant today. Just more plays that he left out there. He had one specifically where it looked like Emmanuel Sanders was wide open in the end zone and he tried to force a throw to the sideline to Isaiah McKenzie and it could have been picked off by Xavier Howard. He had what looked like should be a completion to Stefan Diggs late in the second half on that play where he was kind of breaking towards the sideline, which would have been a big gain, and he underthrew him there. And, you know, just a couple little mistakes that we have seen, you know, we saw last week and we saw again this week ultimately out of Josh. And there were some, I will say, there were some nice throws that were mixed in. The throw to Emmanuel Sanders in the beginning of the game that ultimately set up the Stephon Diggs touchdown was a really good throw. The throw to Dawson Knox in the end zone on the touchdown was another really good throw. But, you know, he's capable of making unbelievable throws. So we shouldn't, I guess, even be fawning over the, the really good throws because we know he's capable of those now. Here's my thing with with Josh Allen's performance. I, I think it was very similar to what we what we saw against the Steelers. You know, when when you have a quarterback like him, he will always have these flash plays where it, it looks really good and it's like, all right. Just do that more consistently, and you've got a great quarterback. Um, and he he did he capitalized on all of that in 2020, and that was why the Bills took the step that they did. But these first two weeks, it just he just kind of seems stiff a little bit. He just doesn't really seem super sharp. I went back and I went back and went through my play by play notes and. I, I counted eight different times where I thought his his accuracy was just horribly off, mm-hmm. um, and some of it some of it was had to do with his footwork. Um, some of it had to do with maybe his timing. Um, he admitted after the game that he needs to get off his first read a lot quicker than than maybe he was on some plays. I think that that was probably an issue. Um, I wonder if one of those was that McKenzie play you were talking about where he missed Sanders down the seam. It's just he hasn't been sharp. And I know it's it's tough to nitpick when when the Bills just won 35 to nothing. But he also completed, what, 50 percent of his passes. He he. The, the, he threw for 179 yards. He barely cracked over 200 total yards between that and rushing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not as though he was just absolutely on fire today. And he, I, I would, I would suggest that if he was even 85 percent of the player that he was in 2020, that this game would have been over, done and dusted by halftime. Done and dusted. Instead, good reference. well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a reality, I'm a British reality kind of guy. Yeah. Um, people on the podcast know I, when we talked to Christian Wade, we talked about <laughs> Love Island for God's love, sake. Love that. Um, but when, when you have him missing as many times as he did in that first half, it led to opportunity for the Dolphins to, to kind stay of hang. In the game, to stay in the game. They hung around way, way too long. In that second quarter specifically, <laughs> the Bills had chance after chance after chance. And that that second quarter, for the lack of a better term. Took an eternity. It was stupid. <laughs> it was stupid how many different, different ridiculous things happened in that second quarter. And yes, it, it took an eternity. But the, the bigger point is 
Josh has not been the same dude so far. And I don't think it's a time for panic by any means. I would like to see what he does through a month of a season, see if it's a trend, because you never know when a guy that has the ability that he has just snaps just, turns it, turns it just snaps right out of it. So I think, I think for me, if the Bills want to be a Super Bowl winner, what they have gotten from Josh Allen out of the first two it's weeks, it's it's certainly not enough, and they they just quite plainly need more. I think where I'm at. So you were devil's advocate earlier. I'm going to be devil's advocate now. I will say, once again, the sample size is really small with it being two games. I will also note that they were better in the second half than they were in the first half as an offense. And that first drive basically put the Dolphins away because they get the ball at halftime. They had a big chunk play to Cole Beasley right off the beginning of it. And then they went down the field and they scored on the Dawson Knox touchdown. So that was promising because after a sloppy half of football, they came out and they performed better. But what I would also say to the big picture here is I agree that Josh Allen needs to be better. But I think at this point in the year, Two, two games in, we would both say Josh Allen is, isn't playing as good as we would have thought that he would play. But I also think we would say the defense is playing better than we thought they would have been. And that's not saying that, you know, you don't want both things to be true. But I almost feel like it's like a net break even. Maybe it's a little bit of a step back from where the Bills ultimately can go if the offense is this as a, not a, you know, what it was last year, but I don't think it's going to be that way. I think, you know, with a game against Washington coming up, Washington's got a decent defense. Decent. Decent. They've got a, they've got a really good defense. I know that their, their defensive line is going to give the bills offensive line troubles, but go on. I'm just saying, I think that they're going to be able to have success against Washington to an extent. And I think they're going to be able to have success against Houston. And yes, you're right. Like I think going into the season, talking about the Washington game in my head, I would have thought it was a much tougher opponent than it is now, but I literally just watched them, you know, give up like 29 points to it was a 29. 29 points to Danny Dimes the other day. So, yeah, I don't know. He was I, running amok. He was. Danny running. Dimes. Well, that Josh can too. When, yeah, I'm just, uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll probably be game playing for that. But Did you see what the line is? The early line on the Washington? Nine and a half. That seems aggressive. That it, seems pretty high. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back on something you said just a little bit. Uh, because I don't think it's a, it's a net even. Because I don't think anytime your your quarterback is playing below the level that he should be, that that becomes a net even thing. That's because at, at the in in the grand scheme of things, incredible defenses will win a Super Bowl title once every what ten to fifteen years. I'm saying for, that- the, for the for the most part, it is the quarterback that needs to get you there, and the the entire. I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I, I really do. I just I don't know that it's the same like if, if this is the full year it's absolutely not a net even but for where we are two games and like if josh allen does this for 17 games like they are not a super bowl contender even with the defense being as amazing no as it yeah is. absolutely it's, it's the I, 2019 bills exactly but i think they come he is going to be significantly better as out, you know throughout the rest of the season he should be he should be and i think the defense won't you know is it guaranteed that it will be it's 150 million dollars guaranteed that well, he will be. Right. I think I think that he is a better player than what we've seen the last two days. I don't think you know maybe he's going to always be like the MVP candidate, but I do think that I still 
think he is the guy, obviously, like the fact that we've been having this conversation, I think that Josh Allen is going to be better as the season gets going. And I think the defense is not going to get six sacks and pitch a shutout every single week. And I think that's to be expected. He, I, I am, I am with you that I think he will turn it around. I would like to see more signs, more evidence of that moving in that direction because it, the the closest that he has come to that moment or or what he was last year, and I think this play almost because you know I I really strongly disliked his game up until this point up until he hit the forty one yarder to Stephon Diggs. Um, I I mean, look at his stats yeah, without 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 that, that forty one hundred and thirty nine yards passing right on the day right which is abysmal on what thirty two attempts yeah so I mean you can't you absolutely cannot take that away from him and that's why I think that was maybe a good step towards where they were going but then again the Dolphins were basically out of it at that point so how much. How Did much you can you really? Them off guard? How much can you really read into it and everything along those lines? So I, I think it's. Listen, I am not hammering Josh Allen right now. I think I am just saying a lot of the things that that maybe some people are thinking about him right now because when you have these expectations of becoming a Super Bowl for a Super Bowl winning team or maybe even making it there, then you're going to need. A heck of a lot better than what you've gotten out of Josh Allen you know the, last, the last two weeks. And also a heck of a lot better than what you got out of Josh Allen in the three playoff games, you, if I'm if I'm honest. Do you know what Josh Allen is right now? Josh Allen right now is an oatmeal raisin cookie. Oh, <laughs> it's fine, but there are so many better cookies out there that you would rather have. The Bills need Josh Allen to be a chocolate chip cookie if they're going to win the Super Bowl. And right now... He's got some nasty yellow raisins mixed in. Are are you just are you just power ranking cookies right now? Well, somebody asked podcast? somebody specifically asked for that, and the Miami Press Box today had a tray of cookies. I only had the chocolate chip. Actually, it was a chocolate chunk, to be correct. Wow. Yeah, that, that's what they need. They need Josh to be a chocolate chunk cookie. Right wow. now, he's not. I I was the defense is a white macadamia nut cookie right now. Are you saying that's your favorite cookie? That's an elite cookie. <laughs> Okay. An elite cookie. <laughs> all right. And you know, all the people listening to this will know that. <laughs> they should. I mean, sure. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think the cookies were that great in the press box, if I'm honest. Um, but, no, it it's just, I don't know how many ways to say that he needs to be better than he just needs to be better. Um, that's basically what it boils down to. So, I, I, think, I think the Bills... We'll try and maybe simplify things for him a little bit. Um, Do you think the Dolphins' defense is good? I think their secondary is is good. Their cornerbacks are good. I don't know that I would say their pass rush is good. I'm not really too fond of their run defense. Um, I don't know. I just they're 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 okay. They're, it's like a it's like an above average group. I would say okay. above all else and. I I I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Being the Steelers and the Dolphins yeah. being their first two opponents, but 
that's how, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, what, what they they ran yeah. into three buzzsaws of def, good defenses in the playoffs. Yeah, and so it's that's that's not really an excuse. I mean, you have to be be the player that brings your team above and beyond. All right, I've people are going to be sick of me trying to trying to no, do but this it's point it's again to, again. it's totally valid because. They need him to be better, and they paid him to be better. And I ultimately think he will be better just because he was so dynamic last year. You know, I agree with you. I think there needs to be more signs that ultimately get us to the point of saying, like, okay, like, if he does this, this, and this, then he's going to be 2020 Josh Allen again. And, you know, time will tell if that's ultimately the case. But I do think, at least for me, I was in the same boat as you where in the first half I was like, man, they are letting them hang around. Josh needs to be way better. This game should be done and should be over with. But in the second half, I thought as an offense, they played pretty well. The The first drive of the second half. Yeah, I, but I, then after that point, I think probably... it's kind of both sides are just kind of like sleepwalking. Uh, only up three touchdowns at that point. I don't know. Um, yeah, I I think a lot of it just has to be better attention to detail to his his lower body mechanics because he is having a lot of passes sail on him, and I, I don't really know that that's that's the way that they uh, they want their their quarterback to do it. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Um, one other note before we get into the award section. Uh, shout out to Devin Singletary, by yeah. the way, because he has been one of the biggest pleasant surprises, I'm sure, from from a Bills perspective, uh, not only uh, with how he's played, but how he's kind of taken over the position. Um, Zach Moss was active today, but uh, Moss was legitimately outsnapped by Devin Singletary. It was a 45 to 18 split okay. between between the two uh yeah. guys from from what I counted. And Singletary it almost every one of his runs I'm like, "Oh, that's that's a good read. That's a, a 
really capitalize on the vision and where it was supposed to take him, maximizing his runs. He looks explosive. A lot of very sneaky, like, four-yard gains where sure. it didn't look like there was really anything happening. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's second and six. Like, or, you know, it's third and one because of that four-yard gain. I think Devin Singletary has looked very strong up to this point. Yeah, it's it's to the point where I think you can justify having him be... Your primary back. Yeah, having him be the primary. And not, not like, bell cow status or anything like that. But, like, the split we saw today where Singletary is getting 65-plus percent, Zach Moss getting around 30%. What does that open up? If Singletary becomes your primary back, do you need to really make Matt Breida active? Yeah, special teams. He, he plays a lot of the core four stuff. Um, so I, I think the, the bigger question is what you do, how do you make, um, how do you get Zach Moss to be active in that situation? And I think they want to have those those two players because they have differing skill sets and, yeah. and they like that. Mm-hmm. And that's something that they've always been been pretty good with. Um, so I think it's more of a conversation of, okay, what position do you want to have down this week? And I, I, I was a fan of, of how they approached it this week. It was a little bit they had the they had it kind of pushed forward for them because of the fumble no because of fa obata's injury oh i thought um, you were talking about the split between no inactives yeah sorry um the inactive list so that their hand was kind of forced there with obata's late week calf injury mm-hmm. but I, I i think having only eight defensive linemen dress was perfectly acceptable um they they didn't have Harrison Phillips be active. They didn't have Boogie Basham be active. I don't necessarily know that they missed anything with FA Obata uh, not in there uh, in in this game. So it's just good depth to have. And you know what's funny is we spent like the entire last podcast talking about the offensive line, uh-huh. and until you just mentioned eight offensive linemen, I don't think we have talked about the offensive line once, which is a good thing for the Bills. I mentioned offensive linemen when. I don't think we have. No, no, no. You, you said I just mentioned eight offensive linemen. You said when you were talking about, oh, you said offensive linemen as opposed to defensive linemen, I think. Oh, did With I? With F.A. Obata. And I was like, offensive line. We Might haven't be. talked about the offensive line. Okay. Yeah, Tommy yeah. Doyle was an active too. Tommy Doyle, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that was probably the right approach. And that's how you get get your way to having three running backs. And we're talking about Tommy Sweeney. Tommy maybe. Sweeney. Tommy Sweeney doesn't play any special teams. <laughs> so um, that that's another way. He did have seven offensive snaps today, though. So watch out, world. At, at the end of the fourth quarter, though. Watch out. No, he had some, he had some early. Did he? Did he come uh, in on a couple, like, the third and ones that they he, didn't get? He had a snap <laughs> on their uh, touchdown drive to begin in the second half. There you go. Uh, on a four-yard Devin Singletary run. Anyway. Those four-yard Devin Singletary runs, what am uh, I saying? They're probably uh, all four yards. Uh, usually whenever t- Tommy Sweeney was on the field, so was Spencer Brown. So that's a fun fact. Anyway, um, yeah, so good on Devin Singletary. He's been a pleasant surprise. Huge year for him. The sneaky thing is, though, got to get that fumble thing uh, under control. Yeah, he because up another one on the sideline. Three right? fumbles in two weeks. And fumbles are weird. Fumbles are random. You can never count on on them going your way so the fact that all three have gone his way so far means there is a regression to the yeah. mean coming and so he he can't afford to cough cough this up too much longer but i appreciate the confidence you have in me by saying regression to a mean and expecting <laughs> that i know 
what that means. No pun intended. I do. But I know you do. Yeah, but that was like a 50-50 shot on you, your part. You, you play up the cookie guy thing a little too much. I, I, I know you got some brains, buddy. Some. Um, all right. So let's get to the award section. Yep. And we're going to start with the negative awards because there's a lot more positive than negative. So uh, we're going to go with the Vontae Davis. No, the Dre Archer Award. Yes, because that one has to come first. The Dre Archer Award for the player did, that did not show up in this game today. It's I know it's difficult, but it is difficult in this one especially. Um, Who I'm gonna go, Gabe Davis. Yeah, um, he had he had uh, 22 total snaps, 10 of which were uh, on run plays, which I thought was a sneaky little thing about about his game. Um, don't believe that he had a target today. Uh, and his oh, yet again, his three wide receiver sets in, in 11 personnel. He was behind Emmanuel Sanders 38 to seven in this game. So I'm, I'm going with Gabriel Davis for the Vontae Davis. Board. I'm also going to go with a receiver and it's going to be Isaiah McKenzie. And it's not really a fault of his just because he wasn't utilized. But two targets, one reception for a whopping one yard, didn't have any massive, you know, returns or any splash plays or anything like that. You know, sometimes we see him get a handoff or two. He didn't get anything in that game. So I don't necessarily think it's this is not an indictment on how Isaiah McKenzie played. He just did not get a lot of action today. All right. The uh, the Vontae Davis Award for the player that did not show up in the second half is Tremaine Edmonds because he, he literally he didn't had, show up in the second had, half. He had a cramp. Um, and that's basically, I don't, I don't really know that there's another way to, to go about that award. So I, I think we're just going to, uh, uniformly give it to Tremaine Edmonds yeah, due to injury mm-hmm. and because they, they, they blew the doors off the dolphins in, in this game. Um, how about the gotta watch the tape award? So the one guy, they're like, you, you know what? I, I just gotta watch that tape to see, to see what really happened out there. I would say for me, it would be Deion Dawkins. Because okay. we talked about, you know, the struggles of the offensive line so much this past week. And it seemed like as a unit they were better today. But that's not, say, you know, it's not like they played a stout group like they did last week. And I don't know if it's more that they were just better or the Dolphins. Dolphins just don't really have any semblance of a pass rush. So I'm going to say Deion Dawkins because obviously he's a very, very important player for this team moving forward. I think I'm going to go with Cole Beasley. Um, because, I almost chose him for my archer. The Dree Archer Award. Interesting. He, besides his 22-yard catch. Yeah. So he finished with 36 yards receiving and four catches. Would have been three for 14, yeah. Would have been three for 14, mm-hmm. which is really uninspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I got to watch the tape to see how the, the Dolphins were defending Cole Beasley to see uh, how he uh, he wasn't really a, a factor in, in this game for them. Okay. To the land of the positive we go. The Matt Barkley Award for the player that caught you by surprise. AJ Epinesa. Oh. Because, like we said, he's not going to have the flashy numbers that everybody's going to talk about. He didn't get any sacks in this game, but he was damn good. He was really good. You mentioned earlier the eight pressures that he had. I think he made everybody else's life a little bit easier because he was blowing things up whenever he was rushing. I thought he was really strong today. I'm going to go with Jaquan Johnson. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he didn't know he was going to play. No. 
Um, wound up getting 13 snaps at the end of the game. Had a couple of nice hits, some good uh, some good coverage. Mm-hmm. So I'll go with Jaquan Johnson. Yeah, I've got to get creative because uh, yeah. we, we've been talking about the same guys over and over again. Um, and then lastly, the Blaine Gabbert Matthew Fairburn Award for Perseverance. I'll let you go first. I'll go with... <sighs> This is a tough one. There's only one answer. There's not only one answer. I'm going to go. Zach Moss is the answer. That's the, that is the, I mean, I literally just wrote a story on it, so I probably <laughs> should have picked him. I was going to go Dane Jackson. You could go Dane Jackson. I thought Dane Jackson, when he came in, made some nice plays. And I think that in the preseason, wow, that was an open touchdown. Wide open. I thought Dane Jackson, <laughs> attention span of a fly. We're watching the Chiefs-Ravens game in the background. <laughs> um. I thought Dane Jackson in the preseason made it very clear that it was still Levi Wallace's job. And then when Levi Wallace left the game, and then he was booed, by the way, as he left the game with his injury, Dane Jackson came in, and I don't think the defense missed a beat. And he obviously had the huge play on the fourth and one stop. So for me, it's Dane Jackson today. Yeah, I'm going Zach Moss. Um, and I I almost said Dane Jackson forgot to watch the tape because I, you know, I would like to see how his coverage was rather yeah. than just you know flash plays because cornerbacks are that's one of those positions you really need to watch them anyway. Um, I'm going Zach Moss for an obvious reason here. Had the fumble, was inactive last week. Um, comes back with two touchdowns in the second half uh, and gets a boatload of snaps in in the second half. I think. Um, Let's see, he had 18 total in the game, and 13 of them came in the second half. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for him to get back into it, and and certainly um, getting back into the flow of things, I don't know that he has done enough to crack into what Devin Singletary has done early on in the season. But, but you know, it's a good result for him. Probably not going to have a two-touchdown performance the rest of the year. You know he could never know uh, with with goal line work, but but yeah, we're we're starting to see who he is in the NFL, and uh, and getting him being able to power through contact on a couple different spots. So so that that's that's for him. The Blaine Gabbert Matthew Fairburn Award for perseverance. All right, I think uh, I think we've we've reached the end of the show. Um, I did not think we were going to be talking about a thirty-five nothing Bills win today. No. No, um, but Tua went down, and and that changed their life that significantly. Changed, that changed everything. It really did. I mean, when you go from Tua get the ball out quickly on first read, or you know try and freelance a little bit, versus Jacoby Brissett, I'm just gonna hang back in the pocket as long as I can until until somebody gets me. Ha ha! You can't get me, Jacoby Brissett. Um, that. <laughs> I think he could think that in his head, that line. He could probably recite that by the time he threw the ball. Yeah. Every time, basically. Yeah. It, uh, it, he is a starter, though. It, it, took, the starter. it took a while. Um, I cannot wait to see what his average time to throw or sack was in the game. Yeah, because it has to be pretty high. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty... pretty, uh, pretty uh, also, Mitch Trubisky came into this game. Two snaps for... Kneel down. Two snaps. I was walking down to the press conference room, so I didn't get to see it in its glory. But as I'm looking through the play sheet right now, I see new quarterback, mm-hmm. Trubisky Mitchell, comes in. Four quarterbacks play in this game. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
This game was drunk. <laughs> and on that note. Um, all right. So the next time you will hear from the Buffalo Beat will be uh, by the end of the week as uh, I'll get you ready for the Bills matchup with the Washington football team. The fighting Taylor Heineke's. Uh, and, and yes, Unfortunately, no Ryan Fitzpatrick in this game. Nine and a half still feels too much. Well, that's we'll, a big line. We'll, we'll get. I, I, got, I gotta watch the film. See, yeah, see I gotta watch the film. See, see, see what they're all about. Yeah. All right. So, Matt Bovey, thank you as always. Thank you for having me, Joe. Uh, <laughs> I got mad at him in the press box today and on the way over to the game for for saying my name over and over and over again. Uh, such and, a Joe thing to be mad and, about. And he's continued to do so. All right, uh, Joe. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's Matt Bovey. He's the sports director over at uh, WKBW and Channel 7 in Buffalo. So be sure to follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Bovey. My name is Joe Biscalia. And if you have not yet, please go to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat and take advantage of our 50% off a yearly subscription sale while you still can. It's only going until uh, the 20th. So honestly, you're going to have a day if if you're listening to this on Monday. So be sure to, to go take advantage of that. 50% off. Just go to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat. The Bills are 1-1. One one. We'll see if they can make it 2-1 next week. See you then.